Welcome to Alpine Church. My name is Chris. I'm one of the teachers here, and I'm really excited to be with you. It feels good to be in a church together, doesn't it? Can I get an amen? Yes? It's starting to feel like things are, are getting a little bit more close to normal, and, and uh, I get to kill two birds with one stone today. We have both Leighton and Syracuse here. So we have any Syracuse people in, in the building? Good? Yes? Awesome. So I'm really, really excited. We're, we're doing a series called The Church has left the building, so if you were with us last week, you know that we talked about the essential message, and today we're going to talk about the essential mission. You know, I was thinking about this. Um, I have three young kids, and they're all involved in some kind of sports. We're like a sports family, and, and it's been interesting to see our kids throughout the years kind of develop in different ways in sports. Uh, my, my oldest son, Ashton, he plays uh, competitive soccer, and, and uh, they're at an age now, which is like 13 years old, and, and things are starting to really be kind of fun. It's very high level. It's competitive. But I remember a time when they just started playing soccer, and I think they were like five or, or six years old, and I don't know if you've been to something like this, but we call it amoeba ball. So the ball runs, and everybody just kind of clumps together, right? And they try to get the ball, and, and they try to get this. And, and, and you know, in that environment, uh, in young soccer, everyone gets an opportunity to play. And so uh, the coach will ask someone to, to sit on the bench to get sidelined for one quarter. And, and uh, my son Ashton hated to be on the bench. Uh, he did not want to do that. And so anytime the coach would ask, he'd kind of like look away. I don't want to do this. But there was this one kid on the team, and his name was Court. And I'll never forget him. You can ask my son. He's here. And, and this kid, Court, he was always raising his hand. Like the, the coach would say, okay, whose turn is it to sit? And Court would go, me, I want to sit, I want to sit. Like he was excited to sit the bench. He was excited to be sidelined. And, and so we were like, my wife and I were like, why is this kid even here? Like it's Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. I mean, I could be sleeping right now, right? But they were being good parents and they had him there. And, and even when he wasn't on the sideline, Court would get really distracted, so you know uh, the, the kids that kind of go, and, and as soon as the ball gets kicked off, he's running the other way, right? Or he's running to his parents and wants to sit on their lap. Or the one time Court gets the ball, he takes the ball, and he kicks it into the other goal, right? It's like all of these things. And, and, and I kid you not, there was, this, this kid was, was a really, really funny kid. Uh, he used to take his binoculars. So he had these make-believe binoculars. And so he would chase the kids down, and then he would stop, and he'd like look at them like this. So this was his form of playing soccer, like he was zooming in, and he didn't want to get into the game, and so he got distracted, and he was sidelined, and you know, I was thinking about this in my life personally, when it comes to the mission that God calls us to, and for most Christians, for most people who are Christ followers, it's really easy to get distracted. It's easy to allow the things of life to sideline us, to get us off mission, to get us out of the game, and to really distract us from what God wants us to do. You see, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ in this room, you would know that God has called us to be a part of a greater purpose. Right And before he leaves to heaven, before he leaves his disciples, he tells them, I am going to use you to reach the world. And you see, what happens is, is we get busy in life, we get busy in sports, we get busy with our kids, and naturally what happens is, is we get sidelined, we get distracted from the mission that God has for us. You know, maybe we feel like someone else can do the work. It's the pastor's job, or it's the more religious, or it's this person, or it's that person, or my priorities are more important. Whatever it might be, we have a tendency to get off track and to get off 
mission. Would you pray with me one more time? God, I ask that you would open up our hearts, Lord, to receive your word. God, that this wouldn't be a message of condemnation, but this would spur us on to see that you, Father, the creator of heaven and earth, call us to be a part of the greatest mission possible, which is to tell people about your love and your forgiveness and your grace so that we could give them hope. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So what we've been doing is, is we've been looking at the first church, the very beginning of the church, of Christ followers in the book of Acts. And so last week we talked again about the essential message, and today we're going to be looking at the essential mission. And what we're going to, be, what we're going to see specifically is that the earliest believers, the early apostles, actually got distracted. They sidelined themselves from the mission that God had for them. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look in Acts chapter 1, and we're going to see how that happened. And my hope for us is that we can see how to apply some of these things to our life. We can see maybe where we've been distracted as well. The first thing uh, that we see is that many Christians get sidelined by not understanding the mission. Now, anybody in here uh, have Ikea furniture? You know, Ikea, did anybody have any Ikea? Is it me and you? We like cheap stuff, I guess. I'm not afraid to admit it, right? But have you ever put together a piece of Ikea furniture? Have you seen their instructions? Like, there's no words. It's the craziest thing ever. Like, you'll see screwdriver and bolt. Like, what are you supposed to do? And it says arrow here. And you're like, what is going on? Uh, my wife and I, we, we just uh, renovated a condo and literally everything that she bought, from the kitchen to the bathroom to the lights, were all from Ikea. And let me just tell you, we needed prayer and spiritual counseling for about six months. No joke. I mean, I, I'm telling you, we had so many arguments and so many fights, and, and it was because I would say to myself, like, out loud, I just don't understand. I just don't get this. It doesn't make any sense. And you see, I think what happens for many of us is we don't understand the mission, and this could be for so many different reasons. It could be that we have just experienced this relationship with God. We've, we've asked him to be the Lord of our lives and we don't know what's next. Maybe it's that we haven't been told what to do. Maybe it's that we haven't read what to do. Maybe it's that we've read it in the Bible. We don't understand it. And you know, all of these things that allow us to, to not understand the mission you know, we have this sense and this desire that there's something bigger, uh, there's something more important than just me, and, and I get this sense and this feeling with God, but I just don't understand, or I just don't know what to do next. You know, the thing that I absolutely love about Jesus is he is so simple. He's so simple, he's so honest, he's so real in his teaching, and, and I think he looks at someone like me who needs to hear something like three or four times, and he just really breaks it down super easy. But he gave his followers, and he gives us a very clear action step, very clear. And we find it in Matthew chapter 28, you may have heard this, this is uh, what people would call the Great Commission, or the Great Mission, if you will. And he says to them this, he says, go and make disciples. It's that simple. Go and make disciples. And then he says, this is how you do it. You go and you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then you teach them to obey my commands. You see, it's not this super complicated formula. What Jesus was saying to them is it's very simple. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to go. 
I, I simply want you to go out and I want you to be my hands and my feet. I want you to go out and I want you to love and I want you to show hope and I want you to speak truth and I want you just to go. And you see, what happens is we get confined in what's comfortable to us, don't we? We get into our life, our routines, our jobs, our families. You know, I was talking to someone after, after last service, and he said, listen, I work from home, and so I literally wake up, I have a cup of coffee, I work for eight hours, and then I'm just at home. I'm not out talking to anybody, I'm not engaging with anybody, I'm not spreading this mission, and it's convicting. And you see, I think naturally what happens is, is we sideline ourselves because we get caught up without understanding what God has for us. The central mandate that Jesus gives us is really simple. It's three things. It's go, so we go, we get out of our comfort zone, we do things that we normally wouldn't do, uh, we don't just surround ourselves with people that are just like us, we, we, we engage with people that need to know the hope of Jesus Christ, and then it says to baptize them. You might be saying, well, well, that's crazy. You want me to go tell someone about Jesus, and then you want me to encourage them to get baptized. That sounds difficult. Well, that's what Jesus says to do. He says to go and to, to love and to show and to share the message, my goodness, my grace. And then he says to encourage them. The first sign of becoming a follower of Jesus is to be baptized. Now, this isn't what saves you. The Bible is very clear. The thing that saves us is a relationship with Jesus. That's it. Nothing that we do, nothing that we can ever do would be good enough. The only thing that we can do is put our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And you see, the baptism is an outward expression of the inward change. I mean, think about it this way. This wedding ring that I put on every day is a symbol that I'm married to my wife. And baptism is a sign saying, listen, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am proclaiming that I am a disciple of him, and now I'm going to let everyone know that this is a part of my life. And then what he says to do, very simply, is he says, teach them. Go baptize and teach. Now, he's not just saying go fill them up with knowledge. He's saying that you need to teach them to do what? To obey my commands. I mean, uh, we have, so we have three young kids, and I remember... Uh, with our first son, again, Ashton, he, he, was, he was a very difficult baby, <laughs> and we didn't know what we were doing, so it was really even harder. And, and I remember literally watching my wife take care of him, nurture him, feed him, uh, like help him walk, like change diapers and all these things. I helped too, a little bit, but, but, but thank God for moms. And so she, she literally trained him and nurtured him. And, you know, it wasn't just to say, hey, we want you to have head knowledge. It's that I'm teaching you how to obey things that are dangerous for you. We say no, right? Or, you know, think about it as in the idea of teaching your son or daughter how to clean their room. You don't just go say, hey, clean your room. You go in there and you show them and, and you teach them what's acceptable and what the standard is. How many of you in here have taught your kids 1.2 million times how to clean their room and still not getting cleaned right? Amen. Yes, good, yeah, let's, let's pray, <laughs> let's pray, we're done. No, but, but seriously, it's saying, listen, I'm going to come alongside you and I'm going to teach you. I'm going to, to show you what pleases God and I'm going to do it. And you might be thinking, well, listen, I, I, maybe I'm here today and I don't even know how to do that. Like, where do I start? And so fear and, and, and I don't want to rock the boat with my friends, you know. I, I don't want to be in school and I don't want to stand up for what's right because then that makes me look weak or, you know, it makes me look weird. And I, I don't want to rock the boat with my family. You know, I've, I've found this newfound faith and, and I don't want to have to, you know, have chasm in the family because I'm trying to tell them. You see, listen, it's not just about having a relationship with God. 
accepting his grace and his forgiveness and his love for you and keeping that to yourself. You see, what it's about is saying that I'm going to give this. God's called me. He's commissioned me. He's empowered me by the power of his presence, his Holy Spirit in me, to love others. You see, in the Old Testament, there was uh, laws and there was the Ten Commandments. And if you didn't follow those commandments, then, then it was called sin and you were separated from God. And, and the way that that was taken care of is there was sacrifices uh, by the most holy uh, person possible. And he would have to go in and, and there would be routines and, and things that would happen over and over and over again. And so sin was always getting you know sacrifices done. Well, what Jesus did is he stepped down from, from heaven into earth and he became the ultimate sacrifice so that we didn't have to do that over and over and over again. So that we could, after we experienced that relationship with him, not have any more rules and regulations. Jesus said something very, very uh, interesting. He said, it's not about the rules and the regulations. It's about two things. Do you know what that is? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And then what does he say? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I think that's interesting because he didn't just say just love your neighbor because that's easy to do. Hey, what's up, neighbor? Thumbs up. You know, how are you doing? But what he says is to love your neighbor, to love your coworker, to love your family member, to love everyone around you as yourself. And do you know why he says that? Because who do you love more than anything in this world? You. <laughs> I mean, everyone's here. You're alive. You've done yourself up, most of us. Uh, you eat, you take care of yourself, you know, like you care. We love us some us. And so Jesus says that because he's saying, look, you love you. I want you to love people as you love yourself because if you take care of yourself that way, I can guarantee you that you're gonna take care of others that way. And you see, what happens is we get, we get sidelined, we, we get distracted, we have all of these things, the things that are important to us, things that push God away, and we miss out on the calling, on the game, on winning in the mission that God's called us to do. You see, our primary purpose, our primary role in this world is to love God and to point people to Jesus. That's it. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to point our family members to Jesus. He wants us to point our coworkers to Jesus. He wants us to, to stand up to our friends and to love them and to point them to Jesus, young person. That is what God has called us to do. You know, I think it's important. This, this, this isn't something that is optional. <laughs> this is a mandate. This is mandatory. This is what God calls us to do. He tells us. He dictates. He says, Go. You know, it's not something that we just, just opt out of and say, well, I, I, I don't want to do that. You know, I, I want to be in a relationship with God. I want to come to church. I want to engage with people. I might go to a small group. You know, I, I want good worship. I, I might want something for my kids and for, the, for, for youth and all of these things. But when it comes to going and telling people about Jesus, I want to opt out of that. That's not how it works. How many of you have, uh, you know, gotten an electronic or maybe it's a, a used vehicle and you negotiate the price, and then at the end you go in there and they say, well, there's all of these options for you, right? Like, it's the $700 invisible shield. And you're like, what? If it's invisible, how, like, is I'm just throwing money away? Like, is this for real? Are you really asking me to do this? Or, or it's like the, you know, the fuel additive that if you put it in there, you come in, you know, every time you come in, you get an oil change and fuel additive. It's 2000 bucks. You're like, nope. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous. Or uh, I remember one car we got, they're like, we will give you the new car smell, 
You just come in and we'll spray it. And you'll have that new car smell for the rest of the, uh, the, you know, the, the life of the car. But it's going to cost you like 5000 bucks. And we're like, this is crazy. Like, what? And you're like, nope, nope, nope. I'm checking out of all of those things. But you see, that's not what we can do in Christianity. It's not this buffet thing like, I stand up here. I don't want to to engage in that conversation with my neighbor because it's going to be weird or I don't want to stand up to my friends at school because you know, I want to be popular, I want to be looked at and I want people to like me. And so I'm going to just not tell people about Jesus. But you see, that's not optional for us. It's a mandate, it's a mission. That's what God calls us to do. See, our series is taken in the book of Acts, and Jesus actually said this to to the very beginning apostles of the church. And so not only did he say it in Matthew 28, but we see it right before he ascends to heaven, right before he leaves them, he says this, he says, but you will receive power. You will receive power from the Holy Spirit when it comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Listen, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. You know what he's saying there? He says, you will go and make disciples. It's the same thing. And he says, it's going to start here in Jerusalem, and it's going to spread to the ends of the earth. Now, he doesn't say, listen, if you're comfortable with this, you know, I'm going to ask you to do this. He says, no, you will be. He doesn't say, listen, if you're outgoing, or if you're smart, or if you're witty, or if you can communicate, you will go and make disciples. It's a mandate. It's for everyone. It's global. It's this. You will make disciples. And so what does that mean? Like you say, make disciples. Well, what does that mean? Well, you remember the essential message last week, right? That message is what? That Jesus is Lord. And so it's our responsibility, if we are followers of Christ, to tell as many people about that as possible. And here's what that message is, is that there's a chasm between us and God, and it's called sin. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. Is anybody in here perfect? Okay, good, we got that out of the way. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you know what it says in Romans 6, 23? It says the wages, the payment, the penalty of that sin is death. It's a chasm. It's separation from God. But God loves us so much. Listen, he loves us so much that he would send Jesus down from being worshipped with the angels in heaven to step to this earth to live a life that we couldn't live to be perfect, to be the sacrifice, to be the one who would come here and who would die. And listen, he died. He died the worst death possible on a cross. He died a sinner's death, a criminal's death, and he did that for you and for me because of sin. And see, that ultimate sacrifice, the Bible said he was a pure and spotless lamb. He was the only sacrifice that could pay for that sin. And the only way that we can be made right with God again is to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's the message. Now here's the mission. You go and you tell people all over the world about that. You go into your workplace. You go into your schools. You go into your families. And you tell people about hope that comes in a relationship with Jesus. That there's nothing that they can do to be made right in God's eyes. That it's not about being good enough. That it's not about saying the right things and doing the right things and being the right person. But it's about believing in Jesus who is the only one that is enough. Amen. That is what God has called you and me to do if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're not, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, please don't leave this place today without experiencing the greatest gift that you could ever receive. Not only forgiveness of our sin today, but to seal our eternity so one day we'll stand face to face with the Almighty 
and we will worship him in a place of perfection. Man, I can't wait. And so, you know, we may, we get, we may not understand the mission, but Jesus made it very clear for us. And, and you might be saying, well, that's cool. Awesome, I know the mission now, so what does that mean? That means we'll go do it. What are we waiting for? You know, I think the, the other thing is it's not just that that can, can get us sidelined. There's another thing. I think other Christians get sidelined by too much information. You know, Jesus, before he leaves them, is telling them here uh, in, in Acts chapter 1 in verse 6, 7, right before he commissions them, he says this. He says, the, the apostles were with Jesus and they kept asking him, Lord, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Listen, what they have been experiencing is, is for years, their ancestors, and in the Old Testament it was prophesied that a Messiah would come and rescue them from slavery, from, from oppression, from all of these things. And so Jesus comes onto the scene and he's spending a couple years with them. And he's saying, all of those prophecies that you read about, they're fulfilled. I'm here. I'm your Messiah. And he's saying, now what I want you to do is to go tell people about me. And they're saying, well, you're the king. You're here. Let's reign together. Let's show our power. Let's do what we're supposed to do. And Jesus says, listen, it's not about that. And they're saying, why? And it wasn't just curiosity. The Bible says that over and over and over again, they kept asking him. They had questions. Now, now just, just think about this for a moment. Remember what they experienced. They watched Jesus, their Messiah, die. Watched it with their own eyes. Murdered right before them, right, right in front of them. Very, very gruesome and tragic. And then they watched him be buried. And then they went to, to go back and visit him. Well, he defeated death and he was gone. And then he reappears to them. And then now he's getting ready to leave them again. I mean, this is the days of our lives, right? I mean, think about that for just a moment. And here they are, and Jesus is now saying to them, I'm going to leave you again. And what I want you to do is not have knowledge, not have you know, wisdom and all of these things. What I want you to do is I want you to receive my power, the Holy Spirit, upon you. And I want you to be bold and to have a voice and to tell people about my love. Now, I think for, for many of us, we think that the more biblical knowledge that we have, the more holy we are. The more theology, theology we know, the smarter we are, and, and the more arguments that we can win and all of these things, and, and the more Bible studies and the small groups that I attend, the holier I am. And we think it's knowledge and information about God and his plans is what defines Christian maturity. But the truth is, is that that couldn't be any further from what God is. Now listen, I'm not saying that God doesn't want us to grow in relationship with him. In fact, I believe he does. But what I would say is the more time we spend in God's word, the more we're going to see in the Bible that Jesus wants us to love others. He wants us to be on mission. He wants us to get in the game. And so the, the, the measure of our Christian maturity isn't knowledge, it's love. Love God and love others. Love God and point people to Jesus. Greatest expression of love for others is to tell them about how they can have a relationship with Jesus. 
And you know, I, I think it's hard for us because we think, well, what happens when they ask that question that I'm not able to, to, uh, to answer? What happens when, you, you know, I just can't give them what they're asking? Well, well, I would say no one knows everything, first and foremost. And you're not going to win them over by arguments. You're going to win them over by love and grace. That's number two. And number three, let me tell you what Jesus said to them. He said, I'm going to give you my power. And so what the Bible says is that when we put our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, in the, God literally takes residence in us and gives us boldness and wisdom and the words and the times and the opportunities so that people would come to know him through us, through the power of God. Last thing I think can sideline us from the mission is comfort. Have you ever gotten comfortable in something and then all of a sudden it unraveled and it was like it blew up? Uh, I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan. Uh, anybody, any football fans in here? Well, let me tell you what happened a couple years ago. Uh, it was 28 to 3 at halftime. I had this big party going on at my house. It was the Falcons. It's the Super Bowl. I had a feeling they were going to win. It was 28 to 3. Halftime comes around. They're cruising to victory. I'm throwing this party. I'm the host with the most. I'm like eating all the food. I'm like socializing. Second half comes in, and I don't know what they were thinking, but they got comfortable. And you know the end of the story, right? They lost. <laughs> they lost. And I think about this in our life, like at work. Have you ever gone into work and you've got your job down and all of a sudden something changes? Like someone gets promoted above you and you're like, what the heck? Or you lose your job or, or COVID's happening and you get, your world gets turned upside down, you know? Or, or hey, the, the, the water heater breaks at home and not only does the water heater break, but then your water pump goes out on your car, right? And then you take your dog to the vet and they tell you that, that their teeth need to be clean and it's going to cost you $1,000, you know what we did? Our dog doesn't have any teeth anymore. You know, like, like you know what I'm saying? I love, we love our dogs. We're not those kind of people. We love our dogs. But then you're like cursing God because it's like, man, everything was going smooth and then bam, what happened? I mean, everything in life is going normal and then COVID, like everything is going normal and then racial injustice, like all of these things that happen and what God is saying is, listen, wake up. Why are you comfortable and listen, here's what happened. Here's what you need to know. At the very beginning of the church in Acts, what happened to them is they were on mission. And you'll read in a couple of chapters that 3,000 people came to faith. 3,000 people. That's a big church. That's huge. And because the Holy Spirit came upon them and gave them words and they had a voice and they were bold and they spoke about God's love, people came to faith. But here's what happened. They got stuck in Jerusalem. You know, the church was getting big, and look at us. We're now taking over for the king, and, and look, our kingdom in reign, and we're comfortable. And God said, listen, you're comfortable, and you're missing the mission. And so he did something very crazy in, in Acts chapter 8. Chapter 7, literally the very last verses before this verse, you know what happened? Stephen was the first Christian who was murdered for his faith. He was the very first Christian who, who spoke boldly, and they took him out, and they stoned him in front of everybody. And here's what happens in, in Acts 8, verse 1. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles scattered the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now, do you, do you remember Judea and Samaria? What did Jesus say in Acts 1.8? He said, you're going to start in Jerusalem, but then you're going to go to Judea and Samaria, and then what does he say? You're going to go to the ends of the earth. And you see, here's what happened. They got comfortable in Jerusalem. Yeah, things were going good. 
Church grew. We're starting. We're famous. And God said, listen, it's not just there. I gave you a command. I commissioned you, and I want you to go to Judea and Samaria. You know what he did? He brought oppression. He brought difficulty, and they spread. And you know what? Out of 3,000 people, you can guarantee that thousands of them went to Judea and Samaria. And what they just experienced was life change. And so what God did is in the midst of persecution, he spoke through them. And you know what? If you read three chapters later in Acts chapter 11, we'll see the end of the story, the, the, literally the end of what's happening when God says going to the ends of the earth. It says that not only do they reach the Jews, but also the Gentiles, and we'll paraphrase. And so what God said is, started in Jerusalem, you got comfortable. I spread you out, and now it's in Judea and Samaria. I'm the quarterback. I'm calling the shots, and I want you to get in the game. And now it's to the ends of the earth. And do you know who fulfills the ends of the earth? You, Christ follower. Me, Christ follower. We are the ones that are commissioned by God to go and to be his hands and his feet, to take the message of hope, of life, of forgiveness, forgiveness of sins, forgiveness of brokenness, all of these things. We are the ones that are called to be mandated to go and to give people Jesus. That's our calling. That's our mandate, not to to grow and to be comfortable in our relationship with God and to come to church and to check off the boxes, not to know more about God and, and to have Bible theology degrees. Like, those are great. I have one. But to love people. And let me tell you this. What happens is, is we get caught up. We get caught up in life, career, family, sports, activities, and Jesus just gets pushed down one notch, one notch. becomes about us. But I believe that those things are all a gift from God, a gift that will allow us to still engage in the mission. Do you know what that is? That means that when I go to work, I have the ability to tell people about Jesus, that they would see something different in me because I'm gracious and because I'm kind and because my language and my speech is seasoned with love. You know what that means, young person, high school student, junior high student? It means that wherever you're at in your school, you can stand up and you can be a world changer in your school. Because listen, everyone who tells you that you need to be someone else or something else is full of it. Because the only thing that you need to be is in a relationship with Jesus. And when you are in a relationship with Jesus, he changes everything. You find identity and passion and direction. And what you do is, is you tell as many people about that as possible. Uh, this doesn't mean go stand on the corner and hold up the cross and, and yell out your megaphone that everyone's bad. <laughs> Chances are you're going you're gonna to have some impression there. But what it means is that, that what you would heed every opportunity that the Holy Spirit gives you to stand up for what's right. That you would heed the words of God when he says, listen, I want you to speak to that person. I want you to do this. I am in you, and I will empower you, and I will challenge you, and I will commission you. And the question is, will you get sidelined by knowledge? Will you get sidelined by not understanding? Will you get sidelined for comfort? Or will you get in the game? And will you let me use you to bring people into an eternal relationship with me. And my hope is that we would be challenged to know that it's not just about our relationship with God, it's really about our relationship with others and that we would point people to him. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you, at times, use difficulty and challenge and, and, and things in our life to get us back on mission. God, I, I thank you that you would use someone like me, <laughs> broken, at times, feel worthless. 
But God, that you would use someone like me to, to, to share the message of you, your love, your hope, your forgiveness. God, I pray that it would be the cry of our heart as a church, of all Christ followers in this room, that we would recognize the call that you have on our lives. And God, for those in this room who have never experienced a relationship with you, that have been trying and working and have been doing things to, to be good or to be good enough, God, would you show them that there's nothing that they can do, but you did something for them. You gave your son so that they could be in relationship with you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.